Good morning. Uh, This morning we're reading from 1 Peter chapter 4 and in this version it's headed Living for God. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry, They're surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards (coughs) of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, and um, thank you Dick. It's nice to see you here this morning, and especially you Hannah, I hope you're feeling better. Yeah, um, don't rush back. I would just say, Hannah has been very unwell, and has been in hospital, so although she would love to chat with you all afterwards, don't make a long queue, be gracious and kind. Our theme this morning, although there's a lot in this passage, I want to focus on grace and how do we create a grace-filled community. Uh, And I trust and pray this morning as we leave that God would have spoken to you personally, for yourselves, and he would have spoken to you too, for us as a church that we would understand something about what the grace of God amongst us would look like in our small part of God's family here in Rayleigh. Let me start by asking you two questions. 
The first is this. What is your life built upon this morning? What is it that you build your life upon? And the second one, which is related, is what is it that you value most in life? So what are you building your life upon and what do you value most in life? Hold on to those two questions and your reflection. You see, here Peter starts this chapter by connecting our suffering with Christ's suffering. Last week, um, Steve shared with us about suffering for doing good. And that no matter how much we might suffer, the king always has one more move. He always is in control. And he has authority. And he has that one more move. Peter connects our suffering with Christ's suffering. And he says, as we enter into the same suffering as Christ, we each of us has done with sin. As we enter into the same suffering as Christ, we have done with sin. Now, we don't literally suffer, do we, in the same way that Christ suffered. Because if we claimed that, we would be claiming that we're earning our own place in God's kingdom. But what Peter is saying here is that if we accept that Christ suffered for us and we want to be obedient and hand our lives back to him, Christ's suffering would also be our suffering. And we would receive the grace that came from what Jesus has already done. Paul recounts this again and again in his letters that we have received grace for what Jesus did on the cross and what he achieved through his death and resurrection. So this phrase, finished with sin, what does that mean? I look at my life and I recognise that I'm not perfect. Only just Friday evening I got really, really frustrated. I got angry and annoyed. And why? Because I was sitting in the car doing what should have been a 20 minute journey and I was going nowhere. And that 20 minute journey took almost two hours. I was frustrated. It didn't help that somebody almost tried to drive their car into mine at whatever speed they were doing when we were just rolling. But hey, that was their issue. So what does this phrase really mean, finished with sin? It's about our attitude, isn't it? It's not about being perfect. It's about what is my desire and what do I want to do with my life? What is it that we want to do for Jesus? Peter says here, arm yourself with the same attitude. The same attitude as Jesus, who willingly laid down everything for you and for me. Why did he do that? To fulfil his mission 
and his Father's mission to redeem us, to pay the price and to make us right with his Father. So finishing with sin to me suggests it's about me and about you making a decision to turn your lives around and to do what God wants to do in your life. To live his way, to live his plans and to live his purposes for each of us here. Verses 2 and 3 seem to take me back to this thought. It says this. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil. That means you and me. We do not live our lives for evil, human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. That is the way that we lived before we came to Christ. We lived the way of the world. Peter sums it up as living like pagans, living like those that do not follow God. But we have chosen, haven't we, this morning, to follow Jesus, to make his way of living our way of living. And when we make that decision to follow Jesus, don't be surprised when those that have been close friends of ours struggle to come to terms with our new way of living. Peter says, because you do not join them in their reckless wild living as you did before, they will heap abuse upon you. So there's a warning there sometimes, because our lives have changed, because we've decided not to live the way we did before, there's a tension between us and those that we've been friends with. And they can't understand why we don't want to go out to the pub and drink ten pints on a Friday night and ten pints on a Saturday night, if that's what you did before you came to Christ. They can't understand why you don't want to go clubbing to the early hours of the morning. Well, I've never wanted to do that. But they can't understand it if that's something that you've done before you come to Jesus. They don't understand why you won't join in the office gossip or why you won't be part of the party politics at work. They don't understand when you won't talk behind the other person's back. You see, we are to live counter cultural. We are to set the temperature, not be set by the world around us. Have you had that response in your life? I think we all have to some extent. We might not have had abuse hurled upon us, but we feel the friction and the tension of our friends as they separate away. Verse 5 says that they those that heap abuse upon us will need to give an account to God for he is the one who will judge the living and the dead. So what should our response be to those that we were once close to that are now pushing us away? Forget them? Get on with life? No. God says love them. Have compassion on them. Show them grace. Why? 
because I've already done that for you. And in the same way that I've shown you compassion, love and grace, I call you to be my stewards of grace in this world. Have love, compassion and grace for those who are heaping abuse upon you. Know that they're living in a place of judgment. But know that that judgment does not need to be final. Know that the gospel, the gospel, the good news that we've been given is the key to release them into a relationship with our loving God. Our response should be one of love, concern and compassion. We should be gracious to those that don't know Jesus yet. Peter goes on to link that in that Jesus has made the new way to life. Peter talks about being, our bodies being measured by human standards and our spirits being measured by God's standards. You see, this body that I'm walking in is not going to be my final body. It's decaying. It's getting older. It doesn't do what I want it to do as it once did. It is falling away. It is being judged by the world that we're in. But my spirit has been born again. Jesus has made a way for my spirit to be in new life. For me to know fullness, to know release, to know God's grace and love. And the call of my life and yours is to walk in our spiritual birth and to bring others into that birth too. So what does a grace-filled community look like? I would suggest the first thing it is is that we are a people of prayer. How do I know the mind and the will of God? I spend time with him. We are to be a people of prayer not asking for the things that we want, but coming to him with our needs, with our weaknesses, with our failures, and with our openness and integrity, and saying, God, I'm broken, but you can mend me and use me for your kingdom. I want to ask us this question this morning. Do we, and I'm asking myself this, do we take prayer seriously enough? I love that our life groups do prayer. I love the support and the care that they give to one another. Praying for God to break in in some difficult circumstances. I love that we have lots of people that receive our prayer connects and that we pray into situations and for people. That we pray that God's kingdom come and break in. I love that I see people praying for each other in our gatherings. I love that we have prayer in our community. But I still ask the question, do we take prayer serious enough? Jesus withdrew and took time to be with his Father, not because he wanted to be seen, but because he knew that it was good for him. He knew that being in prayer and communion with his Father would give him the energy to do what he needed to do. He would understand the 
God's will, his father's will for that day. He would understand what the father wanted him to do. Are we praying regularly for our families, for our neighbours, for our friends, work colleagues, that they would know Jesus? Are we praying regularly for the persecuted in the world, for those without a voice? Do we pray for our government? Do we pray for the governments of the world? Are we praying for God to transform our minds? To change the way we think? Not being programmed to be robots in some God way, but being people of love and grace, empowered as God works within each one of us by his Holy Spirit. God, I believe, is calling us to live in line with his will. And the first step is to know his will. And to do that, we need to spend time with him. Second, will we be a people who love each other more deeply? Jesus gave his disciples a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. He knew that they knew the command to love God. But he said, take that love that you receive and that you're giving to God and share it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Love one another as I have loved you. Peter here says, above all, in verse 8, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I believe that what Peter was doing there was repeating the lesson that he had learnt from Jesus. You see, the children that I know are going to be learning a little bit about this in their time together. Peter blew it big time. He said to Jesus, I will go wherever you go. I will lay my life down for you. And then moments later, he denies Jesus three times. But Jesus didn't live it there. Jesus came and he came and spoke to Peter after his resurrection. And he says to Peter, do you love me? And he does it three times. Three times to speak to Peter's heart the forgiveness that he received from Jesus. Three times to be built up, to be changed from the reed that uh, Ricky taught us about the other week, the reed of, of Simon that was bowed down by the wind of opinion, to become the Peter, the rock of Jesus' prophecy on his life, as Jesus released him into his ministry. You see, Peter knew that the love of Jesus, the love of God, covered his sins, the multitude of sins. It covered his heartbreaking brokenness. And the evidence was obvious because the man stood for God and he lived the rest of his life as a disciple and an apostle of his Lord and Master Jesus. So will we live as God calls us to become a people of prayer and a people with deep love for each other? Will we also become a people of action? Verses 9 says this, Offer hospitality without grumbling. My wife will say that I'm not the greatest host and I'm learning. The issue is, I like my own company so much 
and I'm an introvert and us introverts we don't like to share ourselves that much so God has a great sense of humour when he says go and stand up there Paul but we need don't we to offer hospitality to welcome people to, into our spheres into a relationship with us why? so that they can come and say Paul you're a great guy no even though I am but no so that I can introduce them to the person that I have found Jesus Christ to introduce them to Jesus so that they can receive compassion and love that I have received and I'm to do that without grumbling then it goes on to say that you're to use your gifts as faithful stewards of God's grace in verses 10 and 11 and I've said that's our action stations if God has given you a gift and I want to tell you something this morning if you're a follower of Jesus he's given you a gift you've all got a gift you are to use it for God and the building of his kingdom God has shown you his will for your life and what are you going to do about it he's asked you to use the gifts and the calling he's given you he asked you to be a people of prayer of love and action and my final point is that we are in everything that we do to point to Jesus and to give him, to give him glory so that the Father receives glory through him and so to be a community of grace we need to rely on the strength that God supplies not relying on our own ideas our own energies our own plans but by learning from Jesus and building our life on his model and as I thought about what does that mean for me the following thing came to mind I need to remember not to ask people to look at me but rather to learn from me as I point you to Jesus don't look at me but learn from me and my journey as I try to be an honouring disciple of Jesus if my standing here is all about saying look at me who's building the house and let's face it you're all on a dodgy ride but my standing here has to be about saying don't look at me but come with me on a journey of discovery of meeting Jesus and allowing him to transform you to allow Jesus to be your source to be your vision to be your very identity there's a lot said in today's society about identity and about who we are but we find our identity when we are abiding in Christ when we're walking with Jesus the source of who we are comes from one place and that is Jesus so do you want to fill this place as a place of grace do you want to build grace-filled communities then it's all about love and action about pointing people towards Jesus it's not about being a movement that says look at me 
but rather come follow. Peter encourages the hearer of his word, in fact, the hearers of God's inspired word, to be people that live lives of prayer, lives of love, and lives of action. And in doing so, we will create that place of grace that God wants. A place where my hurt in you can be covered because of his love enduring in you. We were once a people that lived like the pagans, living to satisfy our base desires. But all that changed the moment we surrendered our lives to Jesus. And we've given our lives to something greater worth and value than that the earth can offer us. And so this morning, will you hear God speak? Will you listen to him as he speaks to you? Not through my words, but by his spirit. Will you hear him personally for you and for us as a community of believers here in Rayleigh? Will you live lives of prayer, love and action? To God be the glory. May our lives lift him up as we share grace with a bleeding and hurting world. Amen. Amen.